As we step into this new chapter together, uh, for me, it is really important for us to be a we. And we-ing starts with communication, talks with, uh, starts with relationship back and forth. And yes, I have an opportunity every Sunday to go this way, but we don't get a lot of opportunities to go this way. And so this afternoon at 4 o'clock, from 4 to 5 in the dining room, there'll be light refreshments and just no agenda just open question and answer time about whatever might be on your heart. Might be something about a sermon. It might be something about me or the ministries, the past, the present, the future. Uh, it's going to be open, open slate for whatever question that you might have. But hopefully you'll take some time to do that before going home and having your gluttonous party. <laughs> there are 118 known chemical elements. Some of you right now are getting a little bit of the shakes because you remember grade school or high school or even advanced college where you learned about the basic elements that make up all that God has created. Well, almost like the, the Legos that God used to piece together everything that we see and do not see. And they're all recorded for us in what's called the periodic table. And you remember, like I do, the fascination. I was fascinated by the fact that the attraction and the repulsion of these small little elements cause relationships between the smallest of particles. And it's in those relationships that compounds are made, and in those compounds, bigger things are made that become all of the things that we literally live on and use. The elements are critical. So we're beginning a series this morning called Elements, where we're going to look not at chemical elements, but we're going to look at ecclesiastical elements, church elements. The, the smallest particles that make up what a healthy church looks and feels like. Now, I don't plan on this series being something where I answer all of your questions or set a clear vision or, or future uh, directional. This is not directional in that sense. But what I want to do together is look at these very basic elements that make up church health so that we can begin having conversations about these things that are so essential uh, to our faith and to our practice. We're going to use as the backdrop to it, the context, the writings of Luke, both a little bit in the gospel of Luke, but mostly in the first six chapters of the book of Acts. And so we're not going to be in there every week as far as going through line by line, chapter by chapter study. But I do want you to be familiar with Acts chapter one through six. And if you've been in Bible study with me before, you know that I love giving homework and I love giving homework that includes reading. And so my challenge for all of you is every week, read chapter Acts, Acts chapters 1 to 6. Could be that you listen to it while you're walking or driving or commuting. It could be that you're reading it during your quiet time in the morning. It could be that you break it up and read one chapter a day. But Acts chapters 1 to 6 is what we're going to look at through the next six weeks until we begin preparing for Passion Week. But that's the homework for the day. Hopefully that'll kind of sit on your spirit as we come to uh, the study on elements. Before we get into this morning's element, which is discipleship, I want to talk a little bit about definitions together. We need to define what discipleship is, or more specifically, we need to define what a disciple is. If you were to look up in the dictionary what disciple means, it would mean pupil, it would say pupil or learner, someone that is gaining information from someone else with the intention of gaining some skill or knowledge or ability or, or something. In our culture, we have kind of dissected this idea up into several categories, and we use words. We use the word mentor. 
We use the word coach. We use the apprentice in the theater. We might use the word understudy. We use different words, different phrases to describe this process of someone stepping into a relationship with someone above them where they're learning a a skill, a task, a trade, or being held accountable in some way, shape, or form. If you dissect it further, a mentor really is someone who's developing your character. If you're meeting with a mentor regularly, that mentor should be, if they're doing their role properly, they should be questioning your, your heart, your motives, your consistencies, guiding you as a person through the process of leadership, development, growth, whatever it might be. If, you're a co- if you have a coach, a coach is focusing on skills. Might be a football coach or a coach in the weight room or a a speaking coach or some kind of coach, but those coaches are usually looking at skills. They're looking at things that you want to improve upon in yourself, the the way you act, the way you teach, the way you lead, the way you, whatever it is. Apprentices are really focusing on trades. Now, the idea of apprenticeship doesn't happen as much anymore, but in the good old days, there would be a, uh, a plumber who would have an apprentice that was learning the trade of plumbing, an electrician, or any other fine craft skills. There was an apprentice that is learning in knowledge and in practice how to replace the person that is their teacher, their guide, their director. I personally kind of interchange these words as I talk about the spiritual aspect of discipleship. Really, if we were being technical, discipleship is the spiritual development of another. It's the process of of raising up someone who is more spiritually attuned. Now, we, in our lives, we create development plans professionally or personally or in our marriage. We develop plans that we might get better at certain things, but how often do we actually plan to get better as a disciple of Jesus Christ? How 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 many times do we engage ourselves in the actual work of becoming a better Christian. And that's what I want our minds to set on this morning as we begin this first, looking at this first element, the element of discipleship. I wanted to start with discipleship because maybe it is the most central of all of them. Because the last words that our Lord gave us before he left the earth was to do what? Make disciples. Go into all the earth, make disciples. And as we come into the book of Acts, what has already happened is disciples have been made. Jesus spent those three and a half years pouring into the 12, pouring into the 70, pouring into those that had gathered around him at a a distant level. He had been pouring into them intentionally so that they would pick up the truth that he was leaving with them and carry it on to the next generation. And that's exactly what happens as the pages of the book of Acts open up. The disciples that had been formed are now rolling out into ministry as the church begins to expand. So some people will look at Acts chapter 1 to 6 and say, you know what, it's the blueprint. We have to do things every way they did it. We have to do it. I don't want to be that strict on it, but I do think it's important for us to look at Acts chapter 1 to 6 because in this time period, some of the most amazing things in church history were happening. It's not just that Jesus had died and been resurrected and ascended to glory. Those were incredible events. But it's during these chapters that the Holy Spirit comes to indwell his people. He connects them to each other in powerful and marvelous ways. And there is a phenomenal growth that happens, not just in numbers, but in life, in living, and in in discipleship. And so I want to use this time as an example for us. 
I want to focus earlier in the Gospel of Luke, actually this morning, in one verse, just as a a basis for where we're going to go. And it's in Luke chapter 6, in verse 40. You can just listen. Luke writes Jesus' words, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he or she is fully trained, will be like their teacher. A disciple is not above their teacher, but if they are fully trained or when they are fully trained, they will be like their teacher. Now, simple, low-level low bonus question. Who is our teacher? Jesus. Our teacher is Jesus. So when we're talking about discipleship, we're not talking about me being like a human example. As a discipler, I am a proxy for the Lord Jesus. As I am asking, calling people to be like Christ, I am standing in the middle as a, as a guide, as an example somehow. But ultimately, Christ-likeness is the goal. We want to be like the Lord Jesus. We don't want to be like the person who's discipling us. Hopefully that's clear. But our goal in all of this is just to rest on this thought that when we are fully trained, we will be like the Lord Jesus. When we are fully trained, we will be like the Lord Jesus. Let's pray as we start. Father, we thank you that we can gather. We're thankful that you allow us to gather. I thank you, Father, that you called us to gather. And I thank you, Lord, that we can gather around your word and we can gather around truth and we can be filled with your spirit and we can engage your presence and we can be ushered into the very place where you are. And so that's where we come this morning and we open up your word and we ask that your truth would fill us and inform us and educate us and lead us and guide us and and push us forward. I pray that we would be challenged, that our hearts would be open to what you have for us. I pray, Father, that you would change us so that as we leave this day, we would be more like your son. We pray these things in his precious name. Amen. So first, I want to look at the purpose of discipleship. What's the purpose of discipleship? I'm a systems guy, so I like the big picture of things. When I get into a problem, I don't always just dive right into the problem. I want to step back and look at the whole thing and say, okay, what, what's, what are we trying to accomplish in this? What are all these little pieces doing in light of this bigger Purpose. And so I want to bring to light two primary purposes of the element of discipleship. The first, first purpose of discipleship is not conversion, but perfection. Now, there's some of you that are thinking, great, we just installed a pastor that doesn't want people to be converted. <laughs> not the point. Remember, we're not talking about evangelism this morning. What are we talking about? We're talking about discipleship. We're going to come back to uh, what I call ambassadorship later in this series. But this morning, I want to look particularly at discipleship. And the purpose of discipleship is not conversion. The purpose of discipleship, the end goal of discipleship is perfection. It's maturity. It's completeness. It's Christ-likeness. If you weren't here with us last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the message last week because I, I nearly beat the dead horse last week. I'm going to probably give another couple kicks this morning. But conversion is not the goal. I remember in seminary, I was in a class, and they talked about the difference between an open set and a closed set with regards to evangelism. 
And sometimes in our evangelistic efforts, I know we're not talking about evangelism today, but sometimes we have in our mind that there is this big bucket here, and this is all the people that are saved. And then there's all these people out here, and they're all over the place, and we we see them, but we can't really get to them. But our goal in evangelism is just to grab the next person and drop them in the bucket. And if we can just get them in the bucket, we're happy. Whew, got another one. I'm going to go grab another bucket. Almost like a bunch of chicks that have gone astray from the pen, and you're trying to grab them to get them back into the bucket. The open uh, set idea of evangelism is that here at the center is Christ, and it's perfection, and it's wholeness, and it's maturity, and it's completeness, and it's everything that God has commanded us to do. In fact, it's everything that God has created us to be right here. And evangelism is me taking this person that's here and saying, hey, God does not want you here. God wants you there. So let's go together. And at some point in this process, they become born again. But my goal is not to get them just born again. My goal is to get them to Christ, right? My goal is for one day for us to be standing in glory and they are transformed into the awesomeness of God. So evangelism, discipleship, is this process of drawing people from where they are to where Jesus is. With the goal, someday, in the middle, they will come to Christ. And before you came to Christ, you were anywhere in this continuum. But there was a moment in time where you came to faith, and now you're pursuing Christ. Discipleship is that process, not just of being born again. Discipleship is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Becoming more and more perfect. Everyone, when they are fully trained, will be like their teacher. Everyone, when they are fully trained, will be like their teacher because the goal is not conversion. The purpose is not conversion. The purpose is perfection. I remember very clearly the day that my mom invited me to lunch and I had my family there and we were sitting there and during the meal she handed me an envelope I didn't know what the envelope was, except that when I looked at it, I saw in big letters the University of Arizona, go Wildcats. And I said, this is interesting. It must be a letter from them about my application. So I opened it up, and with great joy and excitement, I saw, congratulations, Matthew, you've been accepted to the University of Arizona. Everybody's screaming, yelling, very exciting. First person in my family to go to a major university, first person in my family to graduate from university. It was a great, great day to get that letter But the letter didn't mean anything, did it? Because the purpose of the the college process, the purpose of education is not just to be accepted. The purpose of the University of Arizona is to accept students who submit themselves to the process of learning, who go through the coursework, they finish, they get their degree, but it's not, that's not just the goal. The goal of the University of Arizona is that I have such a quality education that I land a rock-solid job and a career. And I begin to advance and make more and more money and advance in my career to the point where I get to a place where my resume screams out, successful because of his degree at University of Arizona. Right? That's the goal of the education process. It's not just acceptance. It's not just enrollment, it's not just graduation, it's career, it's awesomeness, it's success, it's notoriety for the university. The process of discipleship is not just the acceptance letter. 
into the family of God. The process, of the, the purpose rather, of the discipleship is ultimately to be a signpost for the glory of our Father. So that when people see your life, they don't just say, wow, he's really good, she's really successful. Man, they're so nice. They, they don't do anything bad. What's the deal with them? The purpose of discipleship is that you are so living like Christ that when people see you, even though they want to slander you as an evildoer, they give glory to your God in the day of visitation because they know that you're stamped with the identity and the purpose of your Savior. That's the purpose of discipleship. Not conversion, perfection. Secondly, the purpose of discipleship is not conformity, but transformation. Now, any one of us has been guilty of, at any given time, going through life just kind of looking like a Christian. We are going through the little cookie-cutter process of, okay, i got to read the Bible. i got to pray. I can't talk like this. i got to dress like this. I can't go to these places. I can't watch these movies. i got to say these things. When we're singing, i got to stand and raise my hands. I gotta, it's like stamp, 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 stamp. Which reminds me of maybe the second or third best toy of all time. The best toys of all time were anything to do with Star Wars in the 70s and 80s, without a doubt. Right behind that might be Stretch Armstrong. And then third, we're going to go with the Play-Doh Fun Factory. How many of you had the Play-Doh Fun Factory? Okay, really? Seriously? How many of you know what Play-Doh is? Okay, good. How many of you have eaten Play-Doh before? Okay, there's some. Good, excellent. The Play-Doh Fun Factory, you know, Play-Doh was this dangerous, toxic, poison that we gave to our children to play with. (laughs) But for a time, they said, you know, it's not just enough to give our children clay. That's edible. Kids don't eat it. (laughs) Ultimately, what we want to do is we want to be able to fashion it into cool things. So they came out with the Play-Doh Barbershop and the Play-Doh Fun Factory. And what you could do is you could take a lump of clay and you could put it in this thing and you could press it and then when you open it up, it, the Play-Doh like transformed into something magical. It was like, wow, this looks just like a little bear. Or, wow, this looks just like a car. Or, wow, this looks just like a, a water molecule. I don't know. It's, it's pressing. It's like this Play-Doh became something else because it was conformed to the image of whatever that was. The, the form was conforming it to a shape that it was not normally shaped like. That's Conformity. That's not the purpose of discipleship. Discipleship is not about creating a whole bunch of lemmings or minions that go around kind of looking alike, dressing alike, talking alike, acting alike. The goal, the the purpose of discipleship is to be like Jesus. And that requires being transformed from the inside out, not the outside in. When we come to Christ for the first time, we are given a new heart. The Spirit comes to indwell us and begins to change the insides out. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, he says, Do not be, what? Conformed to the image of the Son, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind, right? Your mind, your insides, the way you think, the way you see, the way you process, all of that needs to be transformed from the inside out because that's how Christ-likeness begins. That's where Christ-likeness begins. But ultimately, the goal is not conversion or conformity. Ultimately, the purpose of discipleship is that you would be perfect, mature, and that you would be completely transformed into the image of our Lord Jesus. Now, 
there's a danger here because we all realize we can't be perfect. And I'm not suggesting that we can be, in this side of eternity, sinless. There are some Christians that would hold that you can be sinless if you just try hard enough. I don't believe that is true. What I do believe is that we are still called to that task. What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, be perfect. Why? Because your heavenly Father is perfect. That word perfect there is teleos. Same word used in this uh, the passage in, in uh, Ephesians that we looked at last week. Teleos is, is completeness. It's maturity. It's being like God himself. So Jesus doesn't drop the standard down because we're failures. Jesus pushes the standard up and says, you're still going to be like Jesus, but I'm going to help you along in the process. So the challenge for us as disciples of Christ is to realize that we will never attain it, but we cannot, no matter what, become disillusioned with the goal. Because the purpose is to be like Jesus. And so we press on. So let's talk about the process together. We talked about the purpose of discipleship. Let's look about the, at the process of discipleship. What does discipleship look like? What does this act of making disciples involve? How much does it cost? Is there a membership fee? I don't like, I don't like the temptation that I feel sometimes where I want to make a recipe of something like this. Where if you just put in a little bit of Bible study and pray this many times a day and these many minutes and you throw in a little bit of church attendance and maybe if you are an elder or a very dedicated volunteer, then voila, you become a disciple all of a sudden. I think we should fight any of those temptations because this process is not something we will see finished on this side of glory, but we should see advancement. So what does that process look like as we go forward? If you're thinking about equations of sorts, I'd say intentional connection plus time. (laughs) Connection plus intention plus time equals disciple making, right? Let's look at a couple of these elements together. First piece of the process is education and instruction. There is something real about truth that we need to learn in the process of discipleship. We need to learn truth about who Jesus is. We need to learn truth about how the world functions. We need to learn truth about how to follow him. We need to develop that understanding. Why? Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need to be thinking through this process of disciple-making. We need to be informed, educated, so that we can think more like Jesus. Everyone, when they are fully trained, will be like their teacher. Everyone, when they are fully trained, will be like their teacher. In Acts chapter 2, as the, as the church was born and the, the gospel was spreading, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, among other things. We'll talk about those in the weeks to come. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why? Because education and instruction are par- part of the discipleship process. When you're involved in a discipleship relationship, it's not just that you are hanging out with cool people that are Christians. 
Now, Christian relationship is important, and the accountability among brothers and sisters in Christ is important, but the process of discipleship includes more than just holy hanging. It includes education and instruction. If you abide in my word, then you will truly be my disciples. If you abide in my word, then you will truly be my disciples. I saw it last week. I tried to lay it out clearly and humbly in in Ephesians 4 that my job as pastor is to educate, to equip you. And that education, equipment doesn't come down from pastor down, but it comes out through the word of God through all of us in whatever we're doing in the church. Because the process of discipleship includes education and instruction, but it also includes interaction and communication. It includes interaction and communication. I wish so much that the moment I put my faith in Christ, that God infused me with everything that I knew or had to know, and I could immediately just be a Christian perfectly. Would anybody buy that if you could buy that at Toys R Us? Oh, Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. If you could buy that at Home Depot, I'd buy it. For some of you, you may remember the movie The Matrix where Neo could sit down and they just injected skills into his brain and he automatically could do these amazing things. Why? They just injected the truth into him. Unfortunately, in the Christian life, it's not just a matter of being injected with truth. It needs to be worked out in relationship. And it requires connection. It requires interaction. It requires us to rub up against each other in ways that are painful. Love what Mark writes. He says, And he went up on the mountain, talking about Christ, and he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that, you will always hear me draw out so that, because I think it's a great couple words, so that they might be with him. Jesus called the twelve so that they might be with him. Him. Why? Because the process of discipleship includes interaction and communication. It requires being together. It requires talking with each other. It requires interacting with each other over time. It requires walking down challenging life events and wonderful life events. You know, for you who are with us online, it is an amazing thing that technology can bring us here. But this is not enough. There needs to be some way for us to engage each other in relationship. Now, I know some of you who are online, you can't physically get here. We as a church need to find you, and we need to connect with you. Why? Because discipleship requires interaction and communication way beyond what a screen can bring. And if you're at home watching us and you can be here, I encourage you to get here. Get involved in one of our Sunday gatherings. Get involved in one of our many groups. If there's not a group for you, talk to us. We'd like to find one for you. But we need to be interacting with each other. We need to be communicating with each other. We need to be living life together. We need to be spending time together. If you're asking yourself, what does it cost to be a disciple? It costs time and convenience. It costs time and it costs convenience. The process includes education and instruction, includes interaction and communication. It includes correction and admonition. I would love it if I was always right. I would love it if I always did the right things or said the right things or acted in the right way or wore the right clothes or behaved everywhere 
uh, properly always, but the reality is that's not true. And it's not true for you either. And so the process of discipleship includes, requires getting up in each other's grills about reality. Because you need somebody up in your face saying, hey, you're being a doorknob. You got to stop. You can't think that way. You can't act that way. You can't talk that way. You can't treat people that way. You got to add this behavior. You got to change this thing. We need people in our lives that know us well enough that can get up in our faces and do the tough work of speaking truth to us. Because the process of discipleship includes correction and it includes admonition. The Lord Jesus would routinely throw out question bombs to his audience. Why? Because he wanted to knock them off their balance. He wanted to draw them out and and let them know that they needed to be thinking differently about things. The Apostle Paul was less diplomatic. He would just go straight at people and confront them with the goal of rearranging their thinking, bringing them back to a place of truth. If you don't have a person in your life that is up in your face a lot, in a good way, you need to find somebody like that. And I would just take some time surveying your relationships. If you can't find somebody, let us know. We'd love to help connect you with someone that can be up in your grill. (laughs) Proverbs, iron sharpens iron, right? And you know the picture, it's, it's... hitting the, 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 st- the knife against the stone, right? And it's in that process of breaking off the edges that you actually get something sharp and wonderful. When Paul is writing about the purpose of the word, he says, all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching. Yay! But the other three are all challenging words, reproof for correction, for training and righteousness. So the word of God is in our life to provide correction and admonition. Unless you think this is always the worst possible. Solomon wrote that one man's counsel is sweet to a friend. And so we need to surround ourselves with those sweet words that come through hard words. Fourthly, though, the process of discipleship includes submission and imitation. The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when they are fully trained, will be like their teacher. The process of going through our life is not being all we can be. It's not finding our inner strength and letting it show. It's not being truly authentic. It's not living at yourself in all of its glory. The process of discipleship includes you submitting yourself to someone else. And I think there is a lot of benefit to just being submissive to someone. If you're in this room and you have climbed the, uh, the organizational ladder to the top, it's the scariest place to be because there's the highest temptation to stop submitting. We need to be people, whether we're at the top or at the bottom or anywhere in between, we need to have a spirit of submission and imitation. Lord, he, Lord says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? And I would love to pull a Thomas Jefferson and just write that right out of the New Testament. It'd be so much more convenient. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? I need to be in submission to the Father. Why? Because the element of discipleship requires it. 
As I'm in relationship with someone who is discipling me, there is a time where I need to just submit myself to their teaching and their instruction. There's a time for me to imitate the way that they handle situations. And remember, the goal is not to be like the person who's discipling you. The purpose of discipleship is that you eventually look like Jesus, and hopefully that person is imitating Jesus as well. And so there's this relationship that continues. But how do we plan? What's the plan for discipleship? We've looked at the purpose. We've looked at the process. I just want to talk about as a church right now. I want to... Develop discipleship that, discipleship that has multiple inputs in your life. Because discipleship is not just a one-track road. It is gaining inputs from all different directions. And so part of the responsibility of making disciples doesn't just fall on you as individuals. It falls on us as a church, as us as an organization. And organizationally, we need to infuse everything we do with the spirit of disciple-making why? Because discipleship is one of the fundamental elements of the life of a healthy church. And so we will gather together in large groups. This is a gathering. This is a gathering. It's important to be here. It's important to make Sunday morning a priority for what your life looks like. When you're painting out what your ideal week is, it should include 10.30 to noonish on Sunday morning with my church family. Because gathering together is a part of us becoming more and more like Jesus. But we have other gatherings as well, mid-sized to large-sized gatherings throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year. These gatherings are important, and you as members of the body ought to be here. I'm not trying to put a load on you. I'm trying to put the reality of discipleship on you. That you have to be gathering with a body in order to become, become more like Christ. We also have groups. Many groups of all different sizes, and I realize that many of you are in groups, but I know many of you are not in groups, and I know some of you watching online are not in groups. Now, I want you to just ask yourself for a second, why am I not getting involved in a smaller group? It may be that you don't want to. I'm not going to force you. It may be that there's not a group that meets when it's best for you to get there. I know f there's physical uh, restrictions. There are time restrictions. What is it that's actually keeping you from taking that next step? Because we love having you in this room, but life really happens in that next step. And I encourage some of you. I challenge some of you. If I could kick you in the seat, I would do that too. But try to take that next step to get into a group somewhere. If you can look at the list of groups that we have, and there's many, you can stop by the Connection Center and see them. If there's not a group that fits your schedule or your lifestyle, we want to hear about it. Because if we're missing something, obviously we want to start something. So communicate with us so we know where we're, where we're lacking. Because we're a good church, but we're not a perfect church. And we can always improve in everything. So there are gatherings, there are groups and then as we're talking about a one-on-one -on -one relationship, we're really talking about a guide relationship. And there are some of you in the room that have never had somebody that's walking with them one-on-one. -on -one. I've always learned that I should always have somebody that's ahead of me. I should, have, I should have somebody in my life that's behind me. And I should have somebody in my life that's next to me. I should have somebody in my life that I, I can look out and say, I want to be like that person when I'm that age. And Lord willing, you have somebody that's behind you saying, I want to be like that person when I get that age. And you should have somebody right next to you that's where you are 
Show up three relationships that are guiding relationships in your life. And I encourage you this morning just to kind of take a survey of your life. Who is it that's pouring into you? Who are you pouring into? And you may or may not know that we actually have a a structured ministry that is trying to orchestrate these groups. Pastor Bill Hood and, and Ricardo are both very much involved in tying people together who either want to be a disciple or they want to be a discipler. So if you're in the room and you have an interest in pouring into the life of someone else, reach out to Pastor Bill Hood or Ricardo and get connected into that group. If you want more information, you can stop by the Connection Center as well. Gatherings, groups, and guides. These are the elements of our discipleship plan. And together, through multiple inputs, we can, over the course of time, become more and more like Jesus. It's not about stepping from here to perfection. It's about stepping here to one step closer to perfection. And that happens through connection and relationship. So I leave you with the question, what is your plan? Now we're getting all the way down to you. What practical step will you take today to prioritize the element of discipleship in your walk with Christ? What step, what practical step will you take today? My my thought is this. If you don't come to church regularly, maybe the first step is just to commit to coming to church every week. If you come to church regularly, but you're not involved anywhere else, maybe the next step is just to get involved somewhere. Find out what the groups look like. Find out how you can connect. There's not one that meets your needs. Call and, and let's talk about it. I don't think the church is supposed to be a um, a forever expanding menu of options to make you happy. But we should provide opportunities for everyone who wants to grow to grow. And we really want, in in the heart of our hearts, we want to do that. So maybe if you're here regularly but you don't do anything else, make the decision to figure out a way to step a little bit further into groups. Maybe some of you are in groups, but you really want that one-on-one, that small group, smaller group connection with someone that wants to learn and wants to grow. And you can step forward in that by reaching out at the Connection Center about either being a discipler or being discipled. And again, Pastor Bill Hood or Ricardo will reach out to you and get that going. What practical step will you take today to prioritize the element of discipleship in your walk with Christ? I'm excited 10 years from now to look back at you and see how much more like Jesus we are. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we, we know we're not like Jesus. We know we want to be like him, but we know we aren't. So I pray, Father, that you would help us in that work. I pray, Father, that you would move in the hearts of people even today to take that next step towards Christ-likeness. It may be even believing in Jesus for the first time. Pray God you would stir those people to come forward after the service and pray with one of our prayer team members. But I pray God in our hearts we would not leave without making some kind of renewed commitment to step closer to Christ's likeness. Not just because there's a new pastor and it's an exciting time, but that because we want to be like Jesus more and more. I pray that you'd help us in that, Lord. We want to please you. We want to honor you. We want to bring honor to you in the way that we live. Pray that you'd go before us in this. And we pray this in the name of our teacher, the Lord Jesus. Amen.